0: Um, Turn to the book of Ephesians. Are you ready to uh, study God's Word and hear His voice through the Scripture? Go ahead and find Ephesians chapter 4. I'm going to be reading out of here in just a moment. And um, I'm going to spend the next several weeks, and I'll explain probably at the end of the message why I'm going to do that. But I'm going to spend the next several weeks On a topic I suspect is for you, but I got here because of me. Is it okay to take personal privilege every now and then? I am convinced that at least, and I'm probably being conservative, that at least 90% of the population including Christian people, live at some level dysfunctionally. You ever have to deal with the public a little bit? You'd look at me and say, really, that low? I don't know, if we could put up a scale and rate you from 1 to 10 between minor neurosis and major psychosis, I believe that ninety percent, at least 90% of the population, well, let's just say it's just a tad bit crazy, some of you would agree because you're willing to be honest about yourself. And you would say, you know, yeah, you're right, there are some dysfunctional areas of my life. Others of you would agree because you see it in everyone else but yourself. So I hope to reach all of you and help you in these next few weeks because I want to help me. I believe this week I got a small key. I don't get keys every week from God. You know, I'd like to tell you that I get before God every week and he opens up the heavens and he just dumps a new key on me so I can unlock some mystery of the universe. I wish it worked that way. For me, I, I, you know, there can be really lengthy periods of time ...that it seems like God's silent. If you ever wonder why God's silent, it's because He wants you to walk out what He's already told you. You don't need another word, you need to do what He's already said. And and, and so sometimes you can go these lengthy periods of time and not hear much... ...and you'll walk by faith and you're not doing anything wrong per se. And, And I wish I could tell you that God on a daily basis just drops us all keys... ...but that really isn't true and it's not true for me. But there are those occasions where He does release a key. And what I mean by a key is a, a revelational insight. It's like this thing happens in you that says, that's the key, I'm, I'm getting it. I, I think I found one of the things I need in order to unlock where it is I'm trying to be. And, and I believe this week I got at least one little key and maybe one step closer to seeing what God would want to do in my life, and I believe in the life of each one of you, and in the life of our church, in an incredible way. In fact, it might be the key for some of you. This week I was doing some introspection. Some of you are good at introspection. I mean, I mean, you, you analyze yourself all the time. And, and nothing wrong with that. But for some of you, we, you're like me, we need a little more introspection in our life. And so I was doing a little introspection, which is not the norm for me. Because I was dealing with a feeling. Any of you ever have a feeling that just kind of sneaks up on you from time to time? It's like you got through it, you got it settled, it was resolved, it was done. But then it's just like this sneaky feeling. And all of a sudden this sneaky feeling arises. And it, and it sort of catches you at times flat-footed. And, and, and there's this sneaky feeling that every now and then arises in me on occasion... And I could stand here and I could tell you so many areas of my life that there have been personal challenges, that there's been triumph and overcoming and victory, areas that absolutely are of of, of no significance to me. But what good is that to you? There's some sneaky feelings. Amen. And we've all got them. And uh, I'll just tell you, for me, the greatest stumbling block for me has not been... Now, I'm not saying these aren't areas that we all don't have to deal with. If you're a human being, we all deal with these areas. But some of these areas are not the major prevailing areas of challenge. So for me, I can look you in the eye and square up and say, lust, lust hasn't been this, this feeling that couldn't be overcome, at least in my life. You know, pride has been there. But, but I've pressed through some issues in the pride area. Money, power, All of these things certainly can challenge and tempt anyone. So we all know that that we can't just walk around without being aware that these are issues that can challenge us. But the singular, repetitive, frustrating, sneaky feeling that lingers is unforgiveness. It's unforgiveness. Now I understand you would say, well what you, you're a pastor. Let me tell you, I have opportunity on a fairly regular basis to have to deal with the issues of forgiveness. You're right. Nobody has to tell me and probably nobody has to tell you that the fundamental teaching of Jesus is about forgiveness, but I want to share some things with you that uh, I just found out this week that were really helpful to me, and if I didn't just share it with you and kind of say to you, you know, this is a sneaky feeling. If I didn't admit that to you, then you won't admit it in your life. You know, I know the 70 times 7 stuff. You remember that verse? How many times do I have to forgive them? Seven? And Jesus said, no, 70 times 7. Some of us would count that up too. Jesus was saying, you know, you you have to live in this thing. But, you know, I I reached the fact where I began to understand that, that bitterness and unforgiveness, hear me, is sin. In fact, it is the greatest, most unaddressed sin in people's lives. That's right. I want you to get a hold of that. Think about that for just a minute. It is sin. Unforgiveness. Now, let's just, let's just talk about it because I don't want you to dodge or somehow duck out of this. I'm talking about feelings of bitterness. I'm talking about grudge holding. Anybody ever carry a grudge? How about vengeance? It doesn't really bother us all that much unless we start examining ourselves and we begin to ask ourselves what kind of quality of life we're living. The reason it doesn't bother us that much is because this is the sin that is easily masked with our plastic smiles and our decent manners. You could come in here today, shake people's hands, hug people's necks, Smile on your face, act like the perfect Christian gentleman or lady, and you could be eaten alive with bitterness. And nobody would ever know. And the reason it remains in us is because of all the sins there are that we could enter into, this sin is the most justifiable. Think about it. It's not like other sins. You know, other sins really do. They hurt everybody and it can hurt... It can hurt people in your family or in your relationship, or it, it, it can be a terrible sin that just just really disappoints numbers of people, But the reason this sin is the sin that gets away from us is because we can justify it. We were wronged. We were taken advantage of. Evil was done to us. It was unjust, it was painful. And you need to understand, Pastor, or you need to understand, God, this thing hurts. And if you could tell your story, and if you could stand up and let us all hear what it is that took place to you, we would all agree with you that your trauma was indeed all of those things. And then we begin to say to ourselves, hey, hey, I may have a little bitterness or I may have some unforgiveness, but it's no worse than the sins I see in other people's lives. I mean, I see their sins and God seems to be blessing them. I see the sins that are so evident in them and God seems to be using them and helping them. And you know what? It seems to me on the the Sapra Simpson sin scale that it seems as if their sins are a whole lot worse than my sins. So it seems to me, God, that if you can work with their egregious sin, what is so wrong with me holding on to mine? But the truth is, when everything in you wants to hold the grudge, when everything in you wants to point the finger, when everything in you wants to keep remembering the pain, I want you just to hear me right off the bat. God really does ask us to lay it all aside. Now... These next several weeks, I'm going to dwell on this subject. Now, I know we deal with this at Encounter, and Tracy has a powerful teaching at Encounter on the area of forgiveness. And I always know that every time she comes up to it, she, she'll look at it and say, Man, there's so many things I could talk about, and we only have so much time. And, and so we try to hit the most impactful things we can. And those of you that have gone to Encounter, and if you've gone through that ministry... You've gone through all the things we've asked you to do with regards to forgiveness. But, you know, I just, you know, I've been to 18 encounters. I'm an 18 encounter graduate. And it is amazing to me how resilient and tenacious bitterness is. I've been to the cross more times. I've worn my own little track out in the carpet. Going to the cross. Forgiving people. Getting rid of grudges. That truth be told, if we could put an unforgiveness meter up to our lives, we would be amazed at the level of bitterness that still exists. I've been reading this week again. If you've never read R.T. Kendall's book, I wish I could go put it in everyone's hand. You ought to go order it. Everybody ought to have it on their shelf. You'll you'll need to read it about 5, 10, 20 times. It's called Total Forgiveness, R.T. Kendall you've never read that book everyone needs to read that book and I was reading through that book again because that sneaky feeling was coming up inside of me one more time and I was reading through it and I saw a couple new items you know it's interesting you can read things over and over and it just you know you you, you hear it and you see it but it never clicks and this time there was something that clicked and I and I want to share it as we get started today And before we're done, you're going to understand why I'm going to spend a little time on this subject. All right, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning with verse 30, and I'm going to talk this morning what I've entitled, The Motivation to Forgive. The Motivation to Forgive. Ephesians 4, verse 30, listen to this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness wrath, anger, clamor. In fact, if you have one of my Bibles, you'll see in the in the center section margin there it says loud quarreling. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The motivation of forgiveness. Now, the motivation of forgiveness can be boiled down to this question. Why, why should I have to forgive? Why should I have to forgive? After all, pastor, you said it already. I have a legal pad at home full of reasons they don't deserve to be forgiven. Now, all of us here in the room have stories to tell. We've been burned maybe by an unfaithful spouse. We've grown up in an abusive household. We had a person take advantage of us in some form or fashion. Some of you have been in church experiences and you felt like there was a leader or even a pastor somehow that brought an offense to you that has just been difficult for you to let go and bring forgiveness. I was at a, I was at a meeting just to let you know a group of about three 400 pastors one time and forgiveness was taught there. And I watched all 400 of them go to the altar in order to forgive all of the issues they've experienced. Forgiveness is this two-way street that all of us, Have to come up to sometime in our life. People lie on you, and then they go tell other people the lies. Something was stolen from you. We're not even talking about the super egregious sins of what happens if somebody in your family was lost to a murder, somebody was raped, somebody was was stolen from, from a con man. I mean, we all have stories to tell of some particular offense or injustice or hurt that took place in our life that now we're looking at and we just can't seem to let it go what reason could there be what reason i mean we could throw out your story and say what reason could there be to forgive them what motivation do i have to do that when i'm not sure they deserve my forgiveness have you ever watched a tv courtroom at times or maybe one of the news magazines 48 hours or uh, 60 minutes something like that when they'll be doing a story of someone that was killed a murder some form of injustice that brings the civil court into the situation and and I don't know if you've ever watched it but they'll go through the court proceedings and they'll go through the whole thing and if the perpetrator is found guilty before sentencing takes place what they'll do is they'll allow the victims to stand up in the courtroom behind a podium and look their perpetrator in the eye. Maybe it's the family members that lost the loved one that was killed. And they're able to stand up behind that podium and they're able to say before the judge and the lawyers and the whole courtroom, they're able to look their perpetrator in the eye and they're able to say anything and everything they, they want to say. And they can vent their feelings. But oftentimes, whether it's at the moment when they're sharing it with the criminal or whether afterwards when they're being interviewed by, uh, 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 you know, by the media, oftentimes you'll hear them say these words. I don't know if I will ever be able to forgive you for what you've done. I don't know that I can do that. You've all seen that or heard that. I don't know. I don't know that I could ever forgive you for this. And there's something in all of our hearts that when we see what they faced, maybe in a murder case, a, a terrible, terrible killing, there's something in all of our hearts that begin to rise up and say to ourselves, you know what, I don't know if I could either. That wound, that hurt, that, uh, that offense, that injustice is just so large, I can almost understand how you could walk in unforgiveness I don't know about you but for me I'm just gonna be honest I figure if I don't get honest I won't get whole. but right now in my mind there are certain situations that if I let my mind go there I can imagine one of my offenders at a table and suddenly God allows me to come to the podium And the courtroom is packed with everybody that I would want to be there. And he gives me all the time I need to stand at that podium and look them in the eye and say to them how I really think and how I really feel. I think that'd be cool. Don't you? Sure you do. I know you're saying, you're a minister. No, I'm a human being too. You don't think that tape doesn't roll around in your mind? We won't talk about how you've gone out and purchased the gun or got the baseball bat. That's how the tapes run in our minds. So, So, what motivation, if that's how we think, what motivation do we have to forgive? Because if I forgive them, it seems as if that helps them more than it helps me. And the Lord reminded me of just a couple things. I want to share. There are two things you probably already know. But there's one thing that just really lit up in me that I really hadn't stopped to think about as long as I needed to. The first one is this. The reason we need to be motivated is number one. It appeals to our self-interest. Now that sounds almost non-Christian, doesn't it? But what I'm saying is this, Jesus on several occasions looked at his disciples and he spoke things to them that really were in their self interests. For instance, he said things like, don't judge lest you be judged. He said, forgive and you will be forgiven. He said, give and it will be given back to you. So, and you will reap. I, I don't have to keep going down the list. Over and over again, Jesus looks at us and he says this. It's really in your best interests that you enter into this because what you're going to want in life is the very thing that you're going to have to enter into. Most of you that have been to Encounter remember that we share with you the story in Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant is what it's called. You know the story. I'll tell it super fast. There's a man, a servant of a master, who owes his master millions of dollars. He's about ready to get thrown into prison, and he appeals to his master concerning the millions that he owes. And the master looks at him with compassion, and he forgives the debt. The servant rejoices, is glad for the forgiveness he received for his debt, but he turns around, you know the story, and he runs down the guy that owes him 20 bucks. He finds the guy that owes him $20, and he demands that he get paid back that $20. The man doesn't have it. The servant that was forgiven of the greater debt now looks at the man who owes him and goes ballistic and sends him off to debtor's prison. The master hears about what was taking place, calls the servant back into his room, and he says these words. Listen now, this is Jesus speaking in the parable. He says, you wicked servant. Man, that leapt up in me. Because you know what? I never thought of myself as wicked. Are you with me? I I, I, I mean, they're wicked. I can give you a list of wicked people. Me, wicked? Wicked? The Master looks at that servant and he says, "You wicked servant, you've got to hear this today, because this is the way I believe we're going to get free from some of this stuff. is when we begin to understand how God begins to see some of this, that when we, who have been forgiven our sins, from the great sacrifice of Christ on the cross, and God has released us from our sins, for us to turn around and hold a grudge, God looks at us. He looked at me, and he said, "You're wicked." Are you hearing me? Your unforgiveness, your bitterness, your grudge. is wicked. 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 No, 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 no. I, I'll tell you what, murder is wicked. Yeah, no, no, no. Adultery, that's wicked. I mean, I mean, we'll we'll list wicked things. Homosexuality, that's wicked. Wicked, w- wicked. No, it's sin. But that's what he declares to be wicked. And for those of us With our plastic smiles and our great southern manners who go through life full of bitterness and grudges, we got to understand we're as wicked as MTV. We're as wicked as what goes on in San Francisco. Now, I'm going to lead you to freedom here in just a minute. Because if you don't get that, you begin to justify it. You say, what motive do I have to get out of that? So, in other words, it's in our self-interests. I mean, that's a good motivation, isn't it? I'm motivated. I am motivated that if I want God to deal with me like I deal with others, then I'm probably going to do some changing here. Number two, the reason we should be motivated is because it's the root of most relational problems. Anger, wrath, loud quarreling abounds in relationship. And can I just share this with you? The reason most of it happens, there could be numerous reasons I understand, But a lot of it exists because of unforgiveness. I'm going to share something with you. Anger is a sign of something that is unresolved. Now I realize whenever we get angry, it's always righteous indignation. I get it, I know. You you, you aren't sinning, you're just being righteous in your anger. But can I say this? There There are probably fewer times of righteous indignation than we want to credit ourselves with. Anger, most of the times is something, it's a sign, it's a manifestation of something that is unresolved. You don't get angry for nothing. Anger usually manifests when we don't resolve sin appropriately in our life. Now, the reason I can say this is is that it doesn't matter what the sin is. It can be be what you label an egregious sin filthy, disgusting sin, or it can be labeled a sin that, you know, everybody gets away with. It's not that big a deal. You know, there's no sense talking about it. If it is unresolved, it can manifest in anger. And I'll just say this, that guys have anger issues most of the time anyway, but anger is across the spectrum. Ladies get angry for no reason. Men get angry. Anytime there's anger coming and you don't get it, you need to introspect what's going on and understand That you need to resolve that. And that ought to be a motivating aspect. I don't want to live as an angry person. And then number three, and this is the one that I really want you to get. It's the one that leapt in me in a brand new way. That we should be motivated to deal with forgiveness because it's the primary way we quench the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul, I think, was trying to tell us here in Ephesians. You want to know why God may not be moving in your life? It's because the Holy Spirit won't share space with bitterness. He just won't do it. That's why he writes the chapter the way it's written. He says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, and and then I'll tell you what to do. Let all this stuff go. Let it go. That's what's grieving the Holy Spirit. That's why you can't get God into your situation. I was reading R.T. Kendall's book, and, and there was a passage In there that he was talking about how the Lord was dealing with him and the instant I read it I thought to myself That's the voice of the Lord to me. You ever read a book and somebody's going through something and you're saying that is like God is talking to me here And and Kendall writes these words. He said the Lord Began to speak to him and say this. You say you want to see revival take place in your church You say you want me to move mightily What if the beginning of that revival hinges on whether or not you totally forgive people? What about you? You say you want to be blessed. You say you want God to heal you, to deliver you, to prosper you, to guide you, to direct you, to give you hope, to give you joy, to give you peace. What if, what if all of those things hinge on whether or not you totally forgive? Do you understand, and this really is a serious thought, at least it was to me. I drive the Holy Spirit away from me. I drive him away from my situations when I refuse to forgive. Wow. Well, you say, well, well, then why won't we? Why won't we forgive? Well, let me give you just several reasons that I have come to the conclusion why we don't forgive people. Number one, it's this. It's a fear they'll get away with it. They need to get caught. Don't you understand? I know what they did to me, and they need to get caught. There needs to be justice, and there needs to be some sort of reckoning that comes to this situation. They can't do this. They can't just go on with life and get away with this. And they can't do this to others. And that really is our altruistic motive there, was what we say. I'm going to help other people not be hurt by them. So we can't let them get away with what they've done to me. And that's why we don't forgive. It's because there's this innate fear that somehow, way, they're going to get away with it. Can I just quote the Bible to you? Perfect love casts out all fear. The second reason we have difficulty forgiving is because we live under a delusion that they will be punished as long as we keep thinking about it. As long as I keep thinking about it, somehow, some way, they're going to get punished. So we think it's up to us to keep the offense alive before God, to keep it alive before man. Hey, God might forget what they did, so I need to remember all the details in case God forgets. So we, we keep it so when the day comes that their chickens come home to roost, we can evaluate if the punishment was equal to the crime. If not, we can keep reminding God, oh God, that wasn't enough. And we can keep reminding him over and over and over again. Third reason we have trouble forgiving is because we have a need to have them understand the damage that they've done to us. Most people, if this is this not true? Most of us, I really believe we'd probably forgive if our offender came to us, you know, in sackcloth and ash, and they got on their knees. And they held our leg, and they began to weep, and they were to go, oh, I see the error of my ways. Could you find it in your heart to somehow forgive me a wretched scumbag of a sinner? Oh, yeah, well, of course, we know enough to know we go... I suppose I suppose we could I could forgive you I suppose I suppose you've learned your lesson and then of course we go gossip about how they came to us and (laughs) acknowledge they were so wrong I'm going to set you free right now that is never going to happen Can I just say this? I'm setting you free. The vast majority of the time, your offender will not even see it the way you see it. I just hope you get set free with that. Because you're really thinking if you hold your breath long enough, they'll see it like you see it. And the answer is, nope, they're never going to see it like you see it. In fact, it is rare, it is a rare thing to see people ask for forgiveness. There have been times I've looked people in the eye and I've had to pick up a phone. And I've had to say, will you... I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? It is so amazing to listen or to watch people on the other side. They don't even know how to handle that because so few people ever do that. So don't don't expect someone to come and do that for you. Now, now you can live not forgiving. You can live with your bitterness and you can live with your grudges, but you cannot live that way and expect the Holy Spirit not to be aggrieved. And in the next weeks, we're going to go a little deeper. I just... I just, I'm going to share it with you at the end why well, I'm going to go a little bit deeper, but I'm just telling you that this, this is such an important thing for us to get a hold of. I was i was sitting at home and I was reading through some transcribed prophecies over our life and over the life of legacy. It's been years ago since some of these were spoken, but but as I was reading through some of them, in fact, one was a rather notable prophecy that if I went through it, many of you would remember a lot of the words that were spoken in that. But at the very end, it's almost as if, It'd been overlooked. It's almost as if somehow it was missed. But after all of these words about what God would do and how He would bless and all these things with regards to the foundations, and some of you remember even that service when Jim Rawlins prophesied about the foundations, and we heard all that, and that was such a notable point, but at the end of that prophetic word, one of the things that were, was said there that just leapt up to me was when he, the prophet looked at us and he said, Don't you let unforgiveness... Don't you let bitterness, don't you let wrath have a place. For I will do this thing, he goes on to say, and that was the Lord saying something to us. And so we're going to just spend a little time, because I believe it's scriptural and it's the word of the Lord. And I believe that some of our destinies, I believe my destiny, your destiny, I believe probably our destiny together hinges on some of these points. So I'm going to share with you real quick now what forgiveness is not, and what it is what it's not and what it is let's start with what it's not number one forgiveness is not approval of what they did to you when you forgive somebody that doesn't mean you're approving what happened the nature of forgiveness is at times best seen in the nature of God God forgives us but that doesn't mean he approves of what we're doing are you with me In Luke's Gospel chapter 8, the adulterous woman was thrown before Jesus' feet. And uh, he forgave the woman. But the key to it all was he said, go and sin no more. He did not approve of what she was doing. He told her to quit it. So forgiveness is not excusing them. It is not justifying them. It is not even legally pardoning them. I'll be the first to tell anybody that if a woman is raped, the dude needs to go to court, the gavel needs to drop, and he needs to go to jail. But forgiveness isn't for him, it's for you. So you can go on with life. So whether we're violated egregiously or whether it's simple offenses, we can forgive the offender, but that doesn't mean there aren't consequences that society or even God would put on their crime. So if you've been lied on, if you've been hurt, if you've been wounded, if somehow or another you've got the short end of the stick and in injustice, whatever it may be, you need to forgive. That doesn't absolve what took place. It just releases, it just releases your spirit with regards to what's going on. So it's not approving of what they did. Number two, it's not an automatic reconciliation of the relationship. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not always the same thing. A husband and a wife might quarrel, and they can totally forgive each other. However, and this should be the case, things probably ought not go back to the way they were. If there was animosity and enmity, if there were issues that were there that produced a quarrel, then you can forgive. Forgiveness is a part of the equation. But but to reconcile means that one reconciles on a proper foundation. Sometimes relationships are so violated that it becomes impossible to reconcile. I, I, I'll just give you some examples. For instance, if if you bought a, a car from a car dealer, let's say, and let's just make it a little bit more wounding. It was a Christian car dealer. And you bought it from them with all expectations that you would be entering into a, an appropriate business transaction and all of a sudden you get a lemon of a car or something happens that undermines that transaction you can be hurt and offended and wounded and disappointed and all the things that might come from that now you can forgive but that doesn't mean you just go right back and buy another car are you hearing me reconciliation takes two it doesn't mean that once you forgive somebody you trust them instantly If someone's unfaithful in a friendship, if someone's unfaithful in a marriage, you need and have to forgive that, but that doesn't mean there's instant reconciliation. So understand that's great when it happens. It's wonderful if God can move in that situation, but understand forgiveness per se does not equal reconciliation. Number three, forgiveness is not denying what happened. Now the technical term that we use is what we call suppression. Forgiveness is not just living in denial, or refusing to admit, or or not wanting to come to terms with reality, pretend maybe it didn't happen. Can I just share this with you? 100% of the time, if you decide to suppress something, it will have disastrous consequences in your life. Suppression cannot heal wounds. I'll say several things. Suppressing it cannot heal it. Time cannot heal it. It must come to the light for the blood to heal it. Our southern culture has this bad habit of putting things in closets and closing the door. If closets were opened in some of our southern genteel families, things would fall out of that thing that would make the whole southeast of the United States radiate red from the blushing. We just don't talk about that. We don't put that in public. We just, we just shove it all in the closet and close the door and we just act southern and we are dysfunctional. There are people right now, they live in fear. It's a fear. If my closet opens people will know and that's such a lie of the enemy. If your closet opens you could be set free. But the enemy's convince them no keep it closed keep it quiet denying what happened that's that's not forgiveness and number four it's not forgetting that the event took place you will probably never forget the event that produced whatever trauma it is in your life that is the root of your bitterness or your grudge holding you will probably never forget that event But forgiveness doesn't say you have to forget the event. Forgiveness removes the power of the event from your life. Time won't heal you. But time does one thing, I will say this. It has the ability, as you walk in forgiveness, to begin to fade the memory. The reason the memory is still so clear is because... We keep bringing it up, 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 bringing it up. And even if we don't bring it up, it's brought up in the tapes of our mind because it's not been resolved. And so it's still as crystal clear to us as the moment it happened. In fact, it's, it's, it's really got more power because you're thinking of all the things you could have said and all the things you should have done and all the ways you wish you would have handled it. And so it's got even more power associated with it. And, and, and so i 'll just give, let you off the hook you 'll never forget the incident forgetting forgetting abuse or forgetting a trauma or a divorce or 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 a murder or a rape or or any type of criminal activity forgetting that having a gun stuck in your face i mean forget you 're not going to forget that, but here 's the good news: the power of the event can be broken. The power of that event can be broken if you choose, choose to forgive let's talk about what it is and i'm coming really down to the end this morning what is forgiveness we're going to spend a number of weeks like i said on this number one a choice to destroy the scorecard a choice to destroy the scorecard god isn't going to come sovereignly and rip that scorecard out of your hand what do i mean by the scorecard 1 Corinthians 13:5 says, "Love keeps no record of wrongs." Why do we keep track of that? Why do, why do we keep our scorecards? Why do we keep track of the times we're offended to use them? That's why you keep track of it. You want, you want to know the score. And so you keep it so you can use it so you can prove what happened. you can waive it. I've got the proof. I remember the details. If you doubt me, just ask me. That's one of our fears. We fear someone might ask us and we'll forget the details. Not realizing that if we would just forgive, that begins to fade and the details won't matter anymore. Many marriages would heal overnight if both parties would have a scorecard burning party. If you destroy the card before it roots in your heart, then bitterness has no chance to grow. I'm not saying it's right, but I'm just like every other human being. There are times Tracy and I have been in a fight, and I'll be in the middle of that fight, and I'll say this inside. I wish I had a yellow pad and had written down everything. Because she remembers everything, you know. I'm going to start keeping a yellow pad in the top drawer. Where my socks are, and when something goes wrong that I let go by, I'm just gonna write that down because there's gonna come another fight someday, and I'm gonna have my I'll have it in writing. I'll date it. That's not forgiveness. You gotta destroy the scorecard. Some of you are carrying scorecards this morning. You are. You remember, remember, you've got it, whether it's playing golf or, or, or watching a baseball game or however it is, you've got, you've got everyone, you've got it, you've got your scorecard. Love, you can't say you love unless you get rid of the scorecard. Number two, what is forgiveness? It is refusing to get even. It is God's business and his alone to dispense Vengeance. This may surprise you, but he does not need our help in this area. In fact, we're trespassing his territory when we want to get even. So when we refuse to get even, God really likes that. In fact, what it does is it sets him free to decide what and how much should be done in order to bring justice to this situation. Just ask yourself this question. I mean, we're not so naive to think that none of us here are the offenders does anyone here really think you go through life and you don't offend anybody? I, well, then you need help. Because everybody in this room offends somebody sometime in their life, probably multiple times. Think this through. If you were the offender, and you might not even know it. And you know, a lot of times people offend us and they don't even know it. But this let's say you offend somebody, and they're, they're bitter or they're holding a grudge, and, and, and they're going before God, and they're going through all these processes. Let me ask you this question. Who do you want to handle your offense? Do you want them to handle it, or do you want your God to handle it? I'd prefer my God to handle it. I trust Him more. I trust Him more. I want God to handle me in such a way that He knows my motives He knows all that's going on. He can see it perfectly in my life. I can't squirm out of it, fake him out of it, somehow dodge out of it, but he knows, and I'll take it from my God. But please, don't put me in the hands of some people I know. Man, I'd be roasted. So so think about that for just a minute. Refusing to get even. When When you refuse to get even... You're actually wooing the spirit. When you want to get even, you're grieving the spirit. No matter how right you may be. And can we all just say, we're all right. I am. That's how I feel. I'm right. Everybody else is wrong. I'm right. Number three, what is forgiveness? It is not continuously talking about it. Oftentimes there's a need to talk about how you've been hurt. Now let me just say this, that can be real therapeutic. It really can. If it is done with the right heart and to the right person. What I'm saying is this, that that a counselor, psychologist, a pastor, these people would probably be appropriate people to begin to share things that you're trying to work through and, and, and process out of. Our problem is everybody becomes our counselor. Everybody within our scope of friendships, we want them to know. And so we're going to share with everybody. Talking about it with the purpose of hurting your enemy's credibility or their reputation is just another way of punishing them. Are you hearing me? If you need help getting through it, there are people that you can go talk to that can help you through it. But to forgive means to quit gossiping about the incident. All of us have a need to talk about things. But our problem is is that most of us don't need any more therapy. We just need to make a choice. We want to be sure in our talking that we keep our enemy from being admired. That's what we're trying to do. We want everyone to know don't admire them too much if you only knew what I know. People need to know. You know, you don't get people need to know who they really are. And so you need to understand that talking about it may have its place. But it has to have its place within the right forum. And we can't... Because, you know what? There's power in words. What does it say? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Every time you talk about it, you are empowering that memory. Every time you speak about it, you are energizing that event. Every time you share all the gory details one more time, what's taking place is, is that you are reinvigorating the very thing that you let go of. Now listen to me. I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm not saying... It's not tragic, injustice, and you have every right to be hurt. I'm just saying we're walking in forgiveness. Number four, we're going to release the obligation of the offense. Releasing the obligation, that's what forgiveness is. The literal Greek word for forgiveness means to release. That's the literal word for forgive, to let go. Let go. It means letting go of what you think they owe you means letting go of the obligation that you think they, they, they need to have in that situation. It's, just, it's, it's letting go. It's, just, it's, ref, it's refusing to wrestle with those shadows in your mind anymore, to wrestle, to wrestle with those images that you dream about and you muse about and you can't get your arms around. And it's releasing mercy and graciousness and beginning to do what Jesus himself did. You know what mercy is, don't you? Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. That's mercy. All of us need to have the hound pounded out of us. I mean, all of us. I mean, it's just a merciful God that just keeps from destroying this whole planet and starting over again. We're not getting what we deserve. That's mercy. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's when you get favor and you didn't deserve it. It's when you when you get... Uh, prosperity and you didn't do anything. It's, it's when you get something good from God and, and it, it just because He loved you, He did it. That's grace. And we need to release the obligation. If we're to have the character of Jesus in us, then I, I think this is a fairly important point that we need to walk in. And we're going to pick up on a few of these themes again. In fact, next week, I'm going to share with you a story uh, uh, about a person in Scripture that had every reason And had every opportunity to get back at someone who did him wrong. But the truth of the matter is he chose to let it go and God incredibly blessed him. So I just believe we're going to keep in this area for just a little bit. Because I'm not sure, I'm not sure even through all the encounters, it's all got dug out of me yet. I was thinking this week, you know, I love church history. I've told this story before about when John Wesley, in the early 1700s, he took a trip To Georgia in the Savannah St. Simon area and he began a missionary endeavor there and he was just an incredible failure. He failed to the place that he was despondent, discouraged. Uh, He'd gotten uh, people of of note irritated. Royalty was irritated at him. The governor of Georgia was irritated at him. Everybody was mad at him and he jumped on a ship and he sailed back to England and uh, he was just in despondency and As he was sailing back to England, there was a Moravian missionary that came up next to him. And I can just imagine them on this ship beginning this conversation. And Wesley, being discouraged and despondent, probably tells this man by the name of Peter Bolaire what all had taken place. And Bolaire, this Moravian missionary, started to talk to Wesley about faith and and believing God and trusting God and, and, and knowing that God had greater purposes. And Wesley looks at him and says, I don't know that I even have faith. How do you get faith? And Belair made the famous statement to Wesley that he would later record in his journal. Belair looked at him and said, preach faith till you get it. I started to think about that. And I just decided, you just got to preach forgiveness till you get it. Speak forgiveness till you get it. Pray about forgiveness till you get it. Talk about forgiveness until you get it. Just keep saying it, saying it, and saying it, and saying it, and saying it again until you get it, you get it in your system. That's what you and I need to do. We need to just tarry, we need to tarry here. I believe that there is such offense in people that we just need to tarry under the spirit of forgiveness for a while. And let it soak inside of us. Some of you right now, I can tell you this, and there are others that are away. They need to soak in the spirit of forgiveness, both for themselves and for others. And Trace tells a powerful story at Encounter about how God dealt with her. And if you've never been to Encounter and heard that story, you just need to come to hear that story. She wasn't required to forgive. And if you think that you don't have to forgive until somebody asks you for it, then to be candid, that's a deception. Jesus forgave his offenders as he hung on the cross. He didn't wait until all the Romans and all the religious system gathered around and said, forgive us, forgive us, O Son of God. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They don't know. They didn't, he didn't have to wait until we all got it to forgive us. He said they don't have a clue as to what they're doing. And yet as he hung on a cross, he was dispensing forgiveness. He didn't wait, he just dispensed forgiveness. And this is what I want to do this morning. There's going to be a lot of weeks where we'll probably do all the lift them up, let them go, and all those stuff that we have done at times. But this is what I want us to do this morning because it's the point that I think was the revolutionary, revelational thing in my life. And that was, have you recognized bitterness in your life? And are you ready to come to the place where you acknowledge it is sin? And realize that if it remains there, you are stiff-arming the Holy Ghost out of your situation. Because He is not going to inhabit a temple whose atmosphere is grudge And bitter and angry. Do you understand? It's not that he doesn't love you. He's just saying, why would I live there? And and can I just share this with you? I want him to live big. I really do, in me. I want him to live big in this house. I don't don't think you have to have 100% perfection. For God to move towards you. But I believe you need to have a hundred percent desire. And I believe God will rush to you. And say I'll help you through this. I'll, I, I'll help you get through it. And, and we're just going to soak under the spirit of forgiveness. Is that okay? You, can I just say this? You may be saying today, well I think I've gotten through everything. And that's great. If you've gotten through everything in life, then that's great. I'm not trying to, to reopen an offense for you just to participate. But, but I can tell you this, there are times I thought I've been over things a thousand times. And man, it'll come up. And I go, wow. That thing, that thing just won't die. I mean, it's like Jason on Friday the 13th. I mean, he just, it doesn't matter how you kill him, he keeps jumping up. Are you hearing me? That's your Jason. That's your masked, your masked tormentor. He just keeps coming. It's, ti- it's time to get rid of him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me, will you? With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that if we have offended or we have quenched your spirit, Lord, then let me just by way of, by way of headship in this congregation just say for us all, Lord, forgive us. We've not, we've not really thought that through. We may not have understood that in a way that you were trying to get it through to us. Lord, know this day that we want the presence of God here. We've sensed his presence here more, more times than we can count. So obviously, obviously you, you desire to be around us, and Lord, we want that. But now that we have revelation, now that we have understanding in some things, now we're responsible. So Holy Spirit, I want you to know, first off, in the times that I or we have grieved you, forgive us. We don't want to quench you. We don't want to stiff arm you. We don't want you to be run out of our life or out of what we do here. If we don't have you, we have nothing. We must have you, Spirit of God, to bring to us life, to bring to us bread, to bring to us living water we must have you spirit of god to heal us to deliver us to raise us up to dust us off to take us forward we need you holy spirit we need you holy spirit and holy spirit right now i I, I know you're talking you're talking to people i know you don't talk to me like you have this week unless you're talking to some others and lord we're just going to take our time and we're just going to soak in your presence your presence is the spirit of forgiveness. Forgiveness. Lord, we know that we've said it so many times. Forgive us of our sins. And oftentimes we think of all the times we we should have done what we didn't do, and we didn't do what we should have done. And we, we can always point to some action that we fell short. But now, Lord, you're unveiling hearts and motivations, and you're unveiling, Lord, our attitudes. And the hidden places that we so easily mask from one another with a toothy smile, just a, a lift in our voice, and we can mask the ugliness and the roots of bitterness. It's sin. It's sin. It's it's as much sin as if we were practicing the most despicable thing we could think of. It's sin. That ugliness inside, Lord, is grieving you. And Lord, not only is it grieving you, which is number one priority, but Lord, it's killing people. It's literally eating them alive. I, I, I hear that picture, as Tracy tells it, of, of carrying that dead body on a person's shoulder. And, and, and the maggots are eating it alive until it starts eating us alive. Oh, people are being eaten alive. It is time to clean it out. Lord, work it. it. starts in us. I don't know if you'll ever get to them. But all I can do is leave them in your hands. You're working on me. And with every head bowed and every eye closed. This is how we do it. And, and I don't apologize. I know you could do it in your seat. Where you're at, you could get in the car You could listen to the tape again You could download it from iTunes I understand that But why not right now Right now in the house of God Where the spirit of forgiveness is hovering Here at the altars of the church Why don't you, why don't you bring that offense And why don't you bring that grudge Why don't you bring that bitterness right now And let the Holy Ghost right now Begin to saturate and soften that thing Until it breaks out of your life Are you sick and tired of being eaten up You're just eaten up I'm not, I'm not giving perpetrators an out. I'm not giving criminals an out. I'm not giving y- your offender an out. They're wrong. Let's just stipulate. Okay, they're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. They're wrong. I'm not dealing with how do we deal with them. I'm dealing with now how we make you whole. How do we make you whole? How do we make you whole? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not as I said, trying to dredge up things that you've got under the blood and jesus has helped you and praise god and we rejoice with you but you know what there's always that one sneaky feeling you probably have endured a hundred two hundred or more offenses in your life and you've moved through them and you've forgiven and you've just gone on your way and 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 they're not a big issue to you anymore and that's great i have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of of offenses that i have I have dealt with, forgiven, and gone on. But there's always, it seems, in every person, that one sneaky feeling. It's a sneaky feeling that just keeps coming back. We're just going to, can we all just, the whole congregation. I, I'm, 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 I know these folks have come personally, but I, I'm just letting the spirit of forgiveness right now soak in the congregation. Lord, soak this congregation in the spirit of forgiveness. Soak us all right now. Lord, cause us to be hard, hard to offend. And if we are offended, Lord, cause us to be quick, quick to release. Help us, Lord, to to embrace the character of Jesus himself when he had the greatest injustice any man would face. And he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. They don't don't know what they're doing. And then help us go on with the purpose of God. Soak in it for a few minutes. We we need to not take a few minutes, but you just need to breathe in the spirit of forgiveness. Let Him him soften. You know, I believe that things break and are released, but there are times things need to soften. Your, Your bitternesses and your grudges have become hard ground. Are you hearing me? They're hard, hard ground. It's, making you, it's made you hard-hearted in that particular area. And, and you, now you need to let the Holy Ghost begin to soften that area. And you know what? You may not be perfectly fixed this morning, but here's the good news. we got a few weeks on this. Because I am convinced, beyond all convincing, there are probably folks maybe still standing out there, not all of them, but maybe one or two still standing, that, that, that are probably dodging it, and, and somehow the Holy Spirit through the week or in the next weeks Will touch them and I want them to be touched. Because you ought not have to live. You ought not have to live with that bondage. It's not hurting your perpetrator, it's hurting you. It's hurting you. Some of you lost a sweet spirit because someone did something wrong to you. Are you hearing me? There was a day you can think back to that you had a sweet spirit but because of the hits and the hurts of life you become cynical and you become jaded and truth of the matter is it's not that you've grown up and seen the world for what it is it's, be, it's, it's you've gotten bitter sure you may mature and experiences help us but, but God hadn't raised you up to be jaded He raised you up to be full of power trusting Him and God wants to give you that sweet spirit back again There's a day you were an optimistic person. You can remember. You can remember back to that day where you could look at anything in life and you could be optimistic about it. And you'd laugh at things and and there was an optimism and your future was bright and you could kid around and joke, and it was just it was bright and you're just a positive person. You were just so positive. But because of the the offenses and the injustices and wounds, listen, I know it wasn't your fault. You are like you are, not totally because you did something to yourself. I understand people did you wrong. I got it. But the reason you are like you are right now is because of the bitterness. and the You're just jaded and you're saying, I'm not going to be taken advantage of like that again. Listen, listen, God wants to bring your sweet spirit. He wants to bring your optimism back again. He may not be able to work in all the people you think he needs to work in, but he can work in you right now if you'll let him. He may not change your situation, but he can change you. You know what? I may not be able to change in and of myself a city, but God can change me in a city. Yes, he can. But you you got you to let the hardness and the cynicalness. Some of you have come to altars before. Listen to me. I am, I am serious as a train wreck. Some of you have been to altars before and you've walked away and you've said to yourself, well, we'll see if it works this time. You're cynical about even coming forward before the Lord. And it's just because you've been hurt and wounded and things didn't change like you thought they should have changed or God didn't move, some of you just offended at God. You're offended that God didn't do what you thought God was supposed to do. And you know what? He has your future And He doesn't want you to be, one more time, cynical getting up from an altar and saying, well, we'll see. I I did it, Lord, and we'll just see. No, He's wanting to soften you, to believe. To believe Him that He can release you. Right now, I want everyone that's gathered at this altar, do this as you're soaking here. I want you before the Lord. You can whisper it, but if you've got to say it out loud, you can't just think it. If you just think it, I'm telling you, I am telling you right now, if all you do when you hear me tell you what to do is think this, you will walk back to your seat and you will be no different than you came. You must, even if it's at a whisper level, you must, even at the whisper level, begin to say, Lord, my bitterness has been, has been identified as sin before you. It is sin. It is sin in my life. My bitterness, my cynicalness, my negativity, Lord, everything there is. My unforgiving heart. Lord, my grudge carrying. It's sin. It is sin pure and simple. It is unacceptable in your sight. It has grieved you. I have pushed you away. It's not been your fault. I've harbored it. I've, I've enabled it, I've empowered it, I've talked about it, I've thought about it, I've churned I've, I've it around, I've kept my scorecards. Some of you, I'm prophesying, God's giving me a word of knowledge. You literally have done that. You've kept it on a paper and you put it in a drawer at home and God's speaking to you right now and say, if you mean business, you'll go home and tear that thing up into a billion pieces. That's a word of knowledge. I'm telling you right now, someone has done that. When you heard me say that, you said, oh God, I've done that. It is sin. Now, here's the good news. This is the good news. God, God has no problem dealing with sin. It says where sin abounds, what does it say? Grace doth more abound. That's the good news. The good news is that as you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin. Isn't it great that God isn't a grudge carrier? Isn't it great that we don't have a God that sets up there and says, We'll see? Boy, I'd hate that. I'd hate that He would look at me after I came to Him and after some of you have come down, put yourself on the line by stepping forward, and, and, and now God says, Well, we'll see. I don't know if I'm gonna do it, if I'm gonna forgive you this time. I don't know. We'll see. Aren't you glad this this morning that God is up there going, Yes, I'll forgive. Yes, I will love. Yes, I will help. Yes, I will do this. He wants to move so big in your life, but he couldn't because that thing inside of you was stiff-arming him away. Now, we're not going to give you the whole deal. I'm just trying to get you to walk in humility for a week. Some of you have been to Encounter, you know what to do about forgiving people. And so you could, you could leave this place and you'll do all the things you need to do about letting them go and releasing them. And, and if you've come and you don't know everything, you can begin by just saying, Lord, I choose to forgive, I choose to forgive, but we'll teach you along the way. But you've got to be here. You can't say, well, I, I think I got it all. No, you don't have it all. I've been walking with God for over 30 years. And I'm just telling you, I didn't have it all. So I'm going I'm to believe. I'm going to believe for us all. God's going to set us free. I I tell you what I believe. I believe somehow or another His Spirit is going to be released in our ranks in a greater portion than it's ever been before. Can you imagine, and let's just say those of us that are gathered here, think about this for just a minute. Can you imagine just us who would admit, think about all the resistance to the Holy Spirit that's coming down right now. All the resistance to God's presence that's being broken right now just because we said this was sin. And we put it in the light and as we walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood cleanses. So say it right now. Just if you haven't said it before, the Lord, say it right now. Even if it's whisper voice, but you got to say it out loud. Say, Lord, this bitterness is sin. Just get it out there. It's sin. It's, it's ugly. It's just, come on, you say it before the Lord right now. You just say, everybody's saying it, so you're just joining in. It's just ugly. It's ugliness. I'm seeing how you see it. It's just ugly. Ugly. Black. Ah, yuck darkness and Lord I I, I renounce it in me I renounce it and Lord I receive right now the spirit of forgiveness Lord just as you've forgiven me now I can obey the word and forgive others I can't do it on my own I know that but with your help and you will help I'm entering into that. Thank you, Lord, right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for a sweet spirit in this place. It's a sweet spirit. Holy Spirit, would you just stay amongst us these next four or five weeks? Holy Spirit, I really ask you to help us in this area. Unmask this inner junk so that we can be whole people. To a, to a city, a region, and a world that desperately, desperately needs to be whole. Lord, I just say seal the work in these people. Let them experience love. Let them experience peace. I declare peace over some of you right now. You've never had it, or you've lost it, and it's coming back. You know why peace is coming back? It's because the Prince of Peace, His presence is coming back. Every time you lose peace... this is an area of your life every time you lose your peace it's because you're starting to generate those thoughts again peace will go the minute you generate those thoughts it'll leave you but peace is coming back because you're letting it go and God's coming back in Lord seal that now seal that awareness help us not to forget and lose what it is you've done this morning Lord we want these people to have an abundant successful great life And, Lord, I believe you started them on this path. You started this church, Lord, to do exactly these things. So, Lord, we embrace all of it this morning. As we say one more time, we love you a lot. Can we all say we love you a lot, Lord? We love you a lot. We appreciate you. You're the best. And, Lord, we dismiss now knowing your presence is with us. In Jesus' mighty name, can you give them a big hand clap and say so be it and amen? Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Then it, then it it just it feels good to let go. It just feels good to let go. Turn around to two three people though. You shake their hand or hug their neck and, and 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 just say God's good. His presence is here. He's got a great plan for you. And it's going to come to pass. Amen. I hope I see you in the middle of the week. God bless you. If not, we'll see you next Sunday. You are released. God